Today's shir begins two lines from the bottom of the Kuf Aleph Omid Beis. At the end of our previous shir, we gave a, a substantial introduction to today's shir. So all we have to say, just to repeat, just to get into it a little bit more, is that we have a machlokis, Reb Yochanan and Reishlokish, concerning someone who wrote on a piece of paper, on a shtar, Chayav ani l'chomona, I am uh, obligated to pay you a hundred dollars, and it seems from the Rashi that he gave this shtar over to the party, to the receiver, in the presence of witnesses. We saw Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lokish arguing, does that bind the person to pay? Is he obligated to pay simply because he wrote, I am obligated to pay you? <clears throat> so in order to evaluate this, we will see uh, geometric forms, uh, uh, specifically the trapezoid that you see two lines from the bottom appearing in alternating directions. This is a ma'akav. We indicate this on the side under our mivne heading. Uh, the first appearance of the volcano shape is a question on Reish Lakish. When it is inverted, it becomes a response. And we'll continue back and forth this way, and then we'll have to evaluate where do we stand at the end of this give and take. The Gemara. Two lines from the bottom in the middle of the line. Tanan. Hanoisei eso isha. Uposka imoi lozun esbito chomesh shanim. We saw this in our Mishnah. A man marries a woman that has a daughter from a previous marriage. And this second husband establishes, he agrees, he commits himself to support the girl, the daughter, for five years. Chayav lozuna chomesh shanim. He is obligated. My love, ki hai gafna. Is it not so that the obligation was in the above-mentioned fashion where he wrote... I obligate myself to support your daughter for five years, and it says here that that obligates him. Well, that would be a challenge to Reish Lakish. We continue now at the top of Kuf Beis Omid Aleph. You can see the inverted volcano. This is a response. Lo, that's not what the story, what the case is talking about, but rather it's talking about something else. Bishtore Psikta Uchidarav Gidol. Rashi at the top, lo b'shtorei psikta, hechosen v'kala poiskim t'noim b'shebinem. The couple, when they get married, they establish conditions uh, between them. B'shnei edim with two witnesses present for edim choismen edus gemura, and the witnesses sign their agreement as full-fledged witnesses. The imtomar imkain mailemra, if that's the case, so why do we even have to mention that that obligates someone? Answer Itzterich, I need to be told this. Kevon Kigondaleko Kinyan El Dvorim. There isn't any formal gesture of clinching a deal. Leko Kinyan. That means there's no the standard form of Kinyan when you see Kinyan mentioned throughout the Shas without any uh, additional description, it's the Kenyan sudar, an exchange of a piece of cloth, uh, a handkerchief, and that is a uh, a gesture that formally uh, clinches deals. So that is what is lacking over here with regard to the shtarim psikta. All there is are these these words. 
And the point of our Mishnah when saying Chayav Lozuna is basically saying that he is obligated even without the formal Kinyan. But the, the difference between this, the Shtari Psikta, and the example of Chayav Ani Mono that Rabbi Yochan and Rishol were arguing about is that in the in the star that they that the fellow writes, he who wants to obligate himself, he doesn't have witnesses that sign in the document itself. So now our Gemara continues a little more about Rav Gittel. Uh The Gemara on Omid Beis will deal more with Rav Gittel. In the meantime, the Omar of Gittel Amarav, Kamo Atanoisin the Bincha. You have the fathers of the bride and groom uh, con- uh, discussing with one another. Uh, the father of the bride says, how much are you giving uh, toward your son's marriage? And the fellow answers, kach v'kach, and he cites an amount. And the father of the, of the bride is asked, how much are you giving toward your daughter's marriage? And he says, kach v'kach. When the couple uh, marries, when the uh, groom offers the bride uh, money in exchange for her agreeing to marriage, that also obligates the parents to provide that which they said. These are things that these uh, agreements, these obligations that the parents accept on themselves are acquired through through speech. In other words, they spoke about it. Uh, Rashi went a little further uh, and that they um, uh, have witnesses that signed that uh, they heard the, uh, these things said. These obligations uh, were recorded by witnesses who heard it, but there was no deal, there was no, let's say, um, Kenyan, no um, act of deal clinching. Toshma. So we continue with our analysis, and here again a question is presented. Kosav uh, Lekayen, a father of a firstborn, uh, and I'm sure many of you know about the mitzvah of Pidyon Haben, a, a person's of, uh, a firstborn uh, a child of a mother needs to be redeemed. So if it's if it's her firstborn, so the father offers uh, five pieces of silver to a, a kohen, which is the uh, obligation and the fulfillment of pidyon haben. So kosav lekohen, uh, a man, a father of a firstborn, writes to a kohen. She'ani chayev He writes that uh, I am uh, obligated to pay you five pieces of silver. Chayev litain lo uvno eno podui. Now, let's focus on the main point right now. You, that's what she, that which we dashed underline. The, the father says, I am bound, and the ruling here is, we squiggle under on the key word, Chayav. It binds him. So this is a question on Reish Lakish. The Gemara responds, Shiny Hossam, that case is different. The Meshubad Le you're dealing with a father who needs to redeem his firstborn son, and the father is bound, is, we'll say pre-bound, he's obligated to redeem the son, he's obligated to pay out the five selah, the five pieces of silver, regardless of his accepting upon himself the obligation or not. And that's quite different than a person who just pops out of the blue and says, I am chayef to pay you five, I'm chayef to pay you a uh, hundred dollars. In that case, there's no... Uh, 
pre-existing Torah obligation. The Gemara says, well, Ihachi, Amai Kosav, if if he's obligated anyway, so what was the point in writing this to the Kohen? Answer, Kedei Levarer Lo Kohen. His point in writing it was that I'm going to pay you the five stella to the exclusion of all other Kohanim. Well, Ihachi, if it's so effective in binding him, then Abeno Amayeno Podui. Why is the son, this firstborn, why is he not redeemed? The source said that he's high of to pay, but at the end of the source says that Benoeno Podoi, that he's not redeemed. Why? What's what's lacking now? The Gemara says, Kideula. You know, in order to understand why Benoeno Podoi, let's understand Ula's teaching. The Yama Ula, Devar Torah, Podoi, Lechashitain. From a strictly Torah uh, level, the, the child will be redeemed when he pays the five sela. The the question is, So why does the source say that the payment of the five sela uh, after he had written this obligation and he pays the five sela, why does it say in the source that he's not redeemed? <clears throat> the Gemara answers, it's a rabbinic restriction. We're afraid that if people see this uh, written obligation and uh, payment thereof of the five sela, people think that in general you can redeem through star exchange. And what do we mean by that? The the shtaros referred to here is a debt, a, a debt of collection, a written a bill of collection. Where let us say the father of this uh, child, let us say he had loaned money to some outsider. So that and, and the outsider gave the father a star, a, a an IOU, a written IOU. The Torah prohibits using that instrument of money collection as a means of redeeming a child. I say the Torah prevents it, uh, forbids it. That's based on what we call Xeris uh, You can't use certain things for redeeming a child. You can't offer a slave. You can't offer a piece of ground, even though those things might be valuable. And you can't offer a star. So if now that's the the star that I just mentioned, the IOU, a a a, a bill of collection from someone else. So if we would allow this. Uh, what was described above to be an effective pidyon, people will think, "Oh, I saw the father give the uh, the I saw the father give the kohen a uh, uh, an obli- a, writ, a writ of obligation." What difference does it make if it's the the father obligating himself or it's a bill of collection that one has to collect from someone else? So, in that that type of bill of collection, as I say, to collect from someone else, that's not allowed from the Torah. So we say that people, if we allow <coughs> the above to work as a pidyon aben, people will confuse things and think that that uh, that. Uh, all kinds of shtoros are effective when that's not true. Omar Rava Ketanoi. The issue is a machlokes tanoim. That means the machlokes between Reish Lokish and Rabbi Yochanan is a 
the Kinaic controversy. And you'll see that this is an essential, a, a, it's, it's a type of suggestion because the Gemara at the bottom line is going to say that really <clears throat> it's not a Machlokas Tanam. What's interesting, structurally, uh, oftentimes the, the Gemara would say, Lemo Ketanoi. Uh, can we say that this is a Machlokas Tanoim? But it, 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 it seems by the end of this sugya that it's not. So that having been said, we're calling this a long marking. It's Rava's statement. So that Rish Lakish says, Chayav ani loch, that that it does not bind someone. And, uh, and Rabbi Yochanan, who says uh, that it does bind someone, would seem to be a machlokas tanoim. Up till this point, let me just point out with regard to the the back and forth style of Gemara, we had raised questions against Reish Lakish, but the final volcano shape you see is inverted, meaning Reish Lakish is able to provide an answer to defend his position. So now Rava uh, continues, Orev Hayotze Achar Chitum Shtaros, and Orev is a guarantor of a loan. So a loan took place between. Mr. A and Mr. B, A loaned B money, and B writes a document, an IOU, and witnesses sign the document. And lo and behold, after the witnesses sign the document, a guarantor signs on that if uh, B, who borrowed the money, defaults, I will pay Mr. A. That's an orev. Hayotzi achachitum shtos means his name appears, his signature appears. Under the witnesses. Goive only minachasa b'nei If the borrower defaults, so then Mr. A, who's trying to collect from Mr. B, Mr. A will collect from the guarantor, but only from properties that he is currently holding onto. Not to properties that he may have sold uh, after the loan uh, had taken place. That the Orev is able to collect. And then we dashed underline Gove, bearing in mind that we have a Machlokis, Rav, and Shmuel, and we want to, uh, we want to uh, parallel Tanaic approaches. So here you see the Orev by uh, signing his name, even though the witnesses, the witnesses aren't signed regarding his Arvus, regarding his... Uh, guarantor status, nevertheless, he is bound to pay the loan if the borrower defaults. Omarlo ben Nanos. Ben Nanos disagrees with Rabbi Shmuel. says, The lender cannot um, pursue the guarantor not from properties he's currently holding on to the Bnei Chorin, and certainly not Mishubadim properties that he may have sold after the loan. Omar lo lama. So Rabbi Shmuel asks Ben Nanos, why not? Why is he not obligated? Omar lo, Ben Nanos answers. Imagine the following story. Uh, two parties are fighting. One guy is seen strangling uh, the other party. And the guy is turning blue. And some passerby says, 
Oh, leave him be, leave him be, uh, and I'll and I'll pay you money. Potter, the uh, passerby isn't obligated to pay the the strangler money. Shalom al emunaso hilveu. The the loan was never extended uh, uh, based on this passerby's um, uh, based on reliance upon this passerby. Now, when we look at this case of the uh, strangler, the strangler had a, a debt to collect from some guy that apparently didn't want to pay up the, the money. And in the course of uh, the, uh, the, the, the borrower turning blue, some passerby says, don't worry, I'll leave him be, I'll pay his debt. He is not obligated as an orev, as a guarantor, as the source ends by saying, Shalom al emunasilveu, the loan... The giving of the money as a loan was not done so with reliance upon this passerby. Likewise, with regard to our case of the Orev Hayotzeach Achitum Shtoros, Ben Nano says, the loan was, was created, was extended before the guarantor signed on. So the fact that he signs on afterwards very nice, but that doesn't bind him whatsoever. Just like the, the passerby is not bound uh, in, the, in his, uh, his, his offer to pay off the loan to spare the, uh, the, the borrower of, uh, of dying. At this point then, Lema, Rebbe Yochanan, Omar Rebbe Shmuel, Rebbe Yochanan, who in, on uh, at the bottom of Kuf Aleph Amid Beis said, when you write Chayavani Litenloch, you are bound. That would be like Rabbi Shmuel, who says that this Orev is bound to pay, albeit from his own uh, holdings, but he is bound. And Rish Lakish, who exempts in the Chayavani Litenloch, goes like the Omar Keben Nanos. The Gemara continues and says, Aliba de Ben Nanos, Kuleama Lo Pligi. Uh, that means that Rabbi Yochanan, by saying that Rabbi Yochanan goes like Rabbi Shmuel, that's, of course, he doesn't attempt to say his opinion within Ben Nanos. Rabbi Yochanan concedes that Ben Nanos would exempt, mind you, in the case of Arvus, Arvus being a guarantor is a concept that has a Torah basis. Rashi gives you the sources for that. And yet, Ben Nano says that if there are no witnesses that are uh, signing after the Arvus, after the Orev signs, he is exempt, though all the more so, where someone simply writes, I am uh, obligating myself to pay you a hundred dollars, where there isn't any, let's see, Torah basis for that obligation, certainly Ben Nanos will exempt. So, within Ben Nanos, you don't find Rabbi Yochanan trying to express his opinion. The Gemara continues at the top of Omid Beis. Ki pligi aliba de Rabbi Yishmael. Rabbi, that's Rishlokish and Rabbi Yochanan argue within 
the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Yochanan, ki Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Yochanan who says, Chayav anitain, anilitain lachmona, obligates you. That's like Rabbi Shmuel said that the Orev who signed on after the witnesses had signed, he is also bound. Veresh lokish Atkan Lokoma Rabbi Rabbi Yishmael Rabbi Yishmael tells you that though Rabbi Yishmael says that the Orev is Chayov that the guarantor is obligated to pay up the loan in the case of default there Hossam uh, that is uh, Rabbi Yishmael says his halacha there this obli- idea of being obligated there in the case of Orev there's a a Torah-based precedent for serving as an Orev. Since there's a Torah-based precedent for that, when you sign, when you indicate that you will be an Orev, so Rabbi Shmuel will say, there you're obligated. In the case of someone who pops out of the blue and writes, Chayav Ani Litein Loch Mana, Lo There isn't any element of being bound to pay on a Torah level. Therefore, even Rabbi Shmuel will concede to what I am saying in the Chayav Ani Lite Lochmana case that you are not obligated. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, we would come back to Rav Gidol Amarav, and here the Gemara comes back to that. We have arrows to the side of the Gemara indicating where you can find on Omen Aleph where he was mentioned. So here we focus on that. And before we go into the Gemara itself, we glance at the side where we have a, no, say, a topic heading. Dino Shel Rav Gidol Marav. We're focusing on his teaching. His Chayvus Hayrei Chosen Vekala. The obligation that parents of bride and of, of groom and bride make. Loses Kesef Lezug Amira. Through their verbal uh, expression, they become bound to provide the, that which they said they would believe Kenyan without making a formal gesture. And we point out Heora nearly al pihem shechagemora the dino shirav gidol kolel gam shar suges chayvus shoisim likras and isum kamo kamo itain lozunes bita. Seems that this uh, obligation covers uh, other aspects of um, offerings in anticipation of the wedding, like the case that we saw, how much will you, uh, uh, regarding a, a, a woman who marries a second husband, bringing into the new marriage a daughter and the stepfather, promising to support the girl. Now the Gemara. Gufa, Amar of Gidol Amarav. Kamo ato noisein lebincha, and he answers kach v'kach. V'kamo ato noisein lebitcha, and they answer kach v'kach. Omdu v'kitshu, when the couple uh, does the act of the act of marriage, kanu that obligates the the parents who committed themselves to providing each one the amount that they said. Hein hein advorim aniknim b'amira. These are things that one is bound to through speech. In other words, there was no kinyan done on the on the respective obligations, but rather we say that. In, in exchange or for the, for the satisfaction that the parents have in their children getting married that is the, that is the act that obligates them Omar Rava Mistabra Milsa Darav Bebitoi Nara Dekomoti Hano Liodei Rava says that it's most likely that Rav's din that there's obligation is when a uh, when a parent is marrying off the daughter 
who is a Nara. This is a, a girl who is of age where she uh, her, her income would go to the father. Uh, I should say more, no, let me uh, correct myself, where the money that's paid for her kiddushin, for her marriage, is given to the father. Avol boigeres, but a girl above 12 and a half, Anara is up till age 12 and a half. But a bogeres from 12 and a half on, the lo moti where the father is not given the money, the girl keeps the money, she, she receives the money, low. So then the father, he might have said things about what he's going to give toward her marriage, but he wouldn't be obligated. Well, that's what it seems through Rava's eyes. Voelokim, that word is a, a type of a oath, a swearing, something for emphasis. Omar Rav, but in truth... Rav said, Afilu Bogeris, where a father is marrying off the Bogeris daughter, where he doesn't get the Kesev Kiddushin, nevertheless, the father is bound. The E, Lo, Temahochi, if you don't subscribe to this analysis, but you base it on what we said before, Aviha Ben, Mayano, when we speak about the parent receiving benefit, that what does the father of the groom get? He doesn't get anything. The, the, the groom is paying out the money to the girl. There's no money paid to him. So, Ella, and yet we say that the father of the groom is bound. And this is what we explained earlier. It's in exchange or as a result of the pleasure, the satisfaction that parents have that their children are getting married. They, uh, they respectively bind themselves to one another. The Gemara, as it goes on, introduces a subtopic, and we have on the side uh, a tatnose. Ravashi lonitan lichtov im edim. According to Ravashi, the hischayvus, the obligations that the parents make, is not something that can be uh, that uh, unless they. Uh, uh, order otherwise, but uh, you cannot automatically record that in a document and have witnesses sign on it. Omerle Ravina the Ravashi. Ravina asks, Dvorim Halolu, the obligations of the parents, they call that Rav Gittel's teaching above, Nitnuli Kosev, Alo Nitnuli Kosev, can they be written down? Uh, Rashi on the second narrow line says, Nitnuli Kosev, Nosnu Chachom Ksiva can these uh, obligations that they made to one another without a Kinyan now there is a concept you find elsewhere Stan Kinyan Leksiva Omed that where you see a uh, transaction with a gesture so that can be recorded but here we don't have a Kinyan so can this can the respective uh, obligations be recorded and have witnesses sign on it? So that's Ravino's question. Omar lay lo nitnuli kosev. Ravashi answers, no, they cannot be written down. If, they were, if you would have these obligations written down and witnesses signed on that, that would enable uh, one party to collect not only from the other party's current holdings, but even from properties that he may have sold, that he sold after the wedding. After the, the the children's wedding, and the 
halacha is that since there was no Kenyan, so the purchasers are, are not bound. There's no lien on the properties. So we're afraid that if you would have the uh, obligations recorded in a document with witnesses signing on, that would enable either father of the uh, groom or father of the bride to collect from the other ones you can see we have triangles and on the side the under the Mivneh heading we introduce this as Gimel Kushia's three questions Al-Ravashi Mimukos from various Tanaic sources Eisve we saw this uh, at the end of our Mishnah the wise subsequent husbands when marrying a woman that comes into the marriage with a daughter uh, so as to limit the obligation and not have it extend to after their death or to a, a subsequent marriage, they would write as follows: they would uh, they would Now we point out earlier that this is in the realm of things that uh, a man obligates himself prior to the marriage, coming under the the heading of Rav Gidol Amarav. We made reference to this in our No Say, our topic heading before. So, what do we see? We see that this this um, man's obligating himself to support the daughter uh, is something that can be recorded. The Gemara says that's not what it's saying. My Kaisvin Oimrim. The word Kaisvin doesn't mean have it written down. It means they speak. They uh, They say it verbally. Is there precedent for uh, speech being referred to by the term Ksiva? Yes, and I will show you. We have a Mishnah that says uh, a, a man that is uh, claiming that he will have no, uh, no claims on his wife's properties. Uh, without getting, of course, we learned these, uh, this is part of the mission and the sugi earlier in the Mesichta, but the, we want to focus on the Kosev aspect. We see the Mishnah using the word Kosev, and Rabbi Chia, who's a, an author of Brises that, ex, that expound on the Mishnah, uses the word Haomer, so, which, which indicates to us that the Mishnah that used the word Kosev really means it was a verbal declaration where he says, I remove myself from claims on your properties. We don't write, and here we're not going to be able to translate, uh, because the Gemara wants to make a certain assumption about this word, we don't write these uh, documents, um, documents associated with, uh, with marriage, unless they both agree. But if they both agree, so then it can be written down. My love, what are we talking about in this source? We're talking about those very documents that Rav Gidol Amarav spoke, the very issue of Rav Gidol Amarav, and you see from here that it's able to be recorded, and that's not like Rav Ashi's ruling. Rav Ashi did not want them recorded because there was no Kenyan. And if you record them in a star, that will enable 
one either party that doesn't pay up to seize upon his shubadim properties that he sold afterwards. Lo, so the Gemara says that the source that we just saw, where we inferred that midash name kaisvin, that's shtori erusin mamish kidrav papa for rav shravya. That has to do with the document that enables, that creates the marriage itself. We know that one of the means of acquiring a woman is, is by uh, writing a star in which you say, uh, you, are, you are married to me through this star. And, 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 and with that, with, her, with the woman taking the star, she becomes married. So, that kind of shtar, if they both agree, the, hus- the husband and the wife, so uh, it can be written. It's, it is then written. And that is in accordance with Rav Popa. Now we'll have to see, what, what do Rav Popa and Rav Shravya say? The itmar, kosvu lishmo v'shalomi daito. A shtar, erusin, was written with the bride in mind, but without her knowledge. In other words, you had intention. Lishma means you have the proper intention, namely with her in mind. This concept of lishma you find in other areas of writing. The, maybe the most famous is dealing with the case of a get. Here we're dealing with a marriage document. So, if you wrote it with her in mind, but not with her knowledge. They say it's effective. Rav Papa Rav Shravia, we dashed underline because this is really what we're, we were leading up to. They say Amri. They both say Eino Mikudeshes because in writing a star Erison, you have to not only write it with her in mind, but with her knowledge of it being written, and that's what the source indicated before. That you don't write these story erison elomidas shneam unless both are aware of it being written, meaning the woman as well. Toshma, we continue analyzing the issue of the story psikta. Uh, can can they be uh, written down? Can the the obligations that the uh, father uh, the, the fathers of the bride and groom write, can they be um, written down with witnesses signing uh, to that effect? Toshma, number three. Also a quote from the Mishnah. Mesu, the husbands that had obligated themselves to support the daughter of the wife that they married, their own daughters will be supported, but only from properties that they currently hold, as opposed to sold properties. The Bas Isha, the daughter of the woman that they had married, is supported from Nechosa Mishubodim, from even from properties that they that he may have sold to others, to purchasers, that they Shehi Kabalas Chov. That 
that daughter of the daughter of that of the of the wife that he had married is considered like a creditor, someone that has a a bill of collection. So what do you see from here? You see that these things that people obligate themselves in anticipation of marriage can be written down. So that is a challenge to Rav Ashi's ruling, who had said above, Lo nitnu li kosev. If it, if it could be, uh, if, if she can collect for her mazonas from purchasers, that would indicate that it was, uh, that it was written down. The Gemara says, askinon b'shekonu miyodo. Yes, she's able to collect from Mishubodim, but not just because it was written down, but, but, but rather because there was, a, there was a Kenyan that was done. So because of the Kenyan, that's what enables uh, her to collect from the purchasers. But uh, in the absence of a Kenyan, obligations that people obligate themselves in anticipation of a marriage cannot be written down and signed by witnesses. And we explained earlier, because if that would happen, people would mistakenly go and collect from uh, purchasers. When you can't do that, if no Kenyan had been made. And now we have a flurry, you can see, of back and forth uh, a back and forth discussion, and we try to keep track of this through our markings on the side under the Mivne heading. The uh, volcano shape is a ma'akav, with the narrow part facing up that represents a tshuva al hakushishikshu al ravashi, would represent a defense for ravashi, and the inverted uh, volcano are she'elos. Uh, represent problems, raising of questions. Matras Hamakav, the purpose of this back and forth is Lirosim, Chubasarvashi Nisharadasov. Does Ravashi's answer hold up till the end? So the Gemara asks, well if if you're gonna say that they that a Kenyan was made, then Ihachi Bonosnami, why not his own daughters as well? The Gemara says, "Bishikanu lezu velokanu lezu." The kinyan was made for the wife's daughter, but not for his own daughters. Oh my, Pascha! What's so? What? What? What is so conclusive? What is so definitive that you can make this this uh, this split? Uh, is it something that is is predetermined that one makes a kinyan for his wife's daughter and not for his own daughters? The Gemara answers, Ihi dehavoi b'shas kinyan mani lo kinyan. The bas ishto, she was already born at the time. We're dealing with a, a woman that came into the marriage with a daughter she had from a previous marriage. So that daughter was around at the time they made the kinyan. At the, at the time they made that, the, the gesture that clinches deals, the exchange of the handkerchief. However, bonos lo havu b'shas kinyan, lo mahani lo kinyan, his own daughters, they weren't born yet. So the Kenyan that he makes doesn't cover them. The Gemara says, how can you say so definitively that one's own daughters weren't already born? Milo Askinon, should we not take into consideration this as well, the Havoy B'Shas Kenyan, that a man had his own daughters were, were already born at the time of the Kenyan, the Hechidomian, how could that be? Kagon de Garsha, the Hadra. There had been a man married to a woman that happened to have a daughter from a previous marriage. They married now. 
the second she married her second husband, had their own daughters, then divorced her, then took her back, Ahadra's he took her back, and made a Kenyan. And that, that Kenyan then is is dealing not only with the with his wife's daughter, but with his own daughters also. So why did you say that the Kenyan covers the wife's daughter and not his own daughters? Ella Ihi the lesser betnai based in the bas ishto the daughter of his wife. She's not covered by the tonight based. Tonight based in says it's a a court condition with regard to marriages. It's a rabbinic obligation, and that says that a a, a man when he marries a wife he guarantees uh, uh, support to his his benos nukvin the benos nukvin to support his daughters. So that's. Regarding his own daughters, they are covered, they're provided for by the Tanai Beisden. His the, the daughter that his wife has, when she comes into the marriage with her daughter, she's not covered by the Tanai Beisden. The Tanai Beisden specifically refers to one's own daughters that, that he has with that particular woman that he's marrying. So, the Bas Ishto, the daughter of his wife, she's not covered by the Tanai Beisden, so Mahani Lo Kenyan. The Kenyan that he makes, guaranteeing the wife's daughter's support for five years, it's effective. His own daughters that are covered by the Tanai Beisden, Lo Mahani Lo Kenyan, the Kenyan doesn't work. The Gemara asks Mikra Gari. Well, just because they're they're covered by a tonight basin, the Kenyan that he makes, are they? Do they lose out? Gari means are they less? Are they because they have a tonight basin they, that makes them less? Ela benoisov hainu taima kevon the isnu betonight basin. Regarding his own daughters, if you're going to ask why are they not covered by the tonight basin, why is it that it's not covered by his Kenyan? Since they're covered by the Tanai Basin, Amar Srori at that the father might very well have provided ahead of time money, uh, sorry, literally or, uh, wallets or pouches of money for their Mazonos. Namely, before the father died, we are suspect that he entrusted with them money for their Mazonos. Because, because of this, we'll call this heavy obligation on the father to provide Mazonos to the daughters. Therefore, we are we are making the assumption that he already provided for them. Therefore, the uh, the daughters cannot collect their mizonos from purchasers. The the purchasers are are, are going to raise this this, this the specter of his having entrusted with them money ahead of time for their mizonos. But the the wife's daughter. You know well, this this suspicion doesn't uh, doesn't get off the ground doesn't even begin. Therefore, she is like a balas hope. But we have to emphasize the main point is because what in, what what enables her to collect from purchasers as a balas hope because a Kenyan was made. But in the absence of a Kenyan, these type of obligations that Rav Gidolomarav spoke about, if a no Kenyan was made, so these obligations cannot be recorded in writing and have witnesses sign on that. And we mentioned before a couple of times already that because that would lead to uh, we'll say endangering subsequent purchasers 
to pay up those obligations. And then since no kinyan was made, they're not bound to begin with. Lo yomar horishon, and this, according uh, from the Mishnah, uh, where a, uh, a man had obligated himself to support his wife's daughter, uh, and uh, then we saw when that uh, mother went ahead and married a, a second husband, i.e. second stepfather, as we said, it was her third husband, but it's the second stepfather, so the, the uh, first stepfather can't say, oh, I'll, I'll honor my obligation only if she comes to me. Not so. He has to uh, send the food to where the mother is. And, but, and uh, assuming, of course, that, and that's the point here, that's where the daughter is. Omar of Before we continue with the Gemara, let's just point out the topic heading, the Nosei, Mokom Habas, the place of a daughter is Eitzel Imo, with her mother. Loshnok Tana Veloshnok Dola. This idea of a daughter, who's a girl who's not married, to be, is to be with her mother, is regardless of whether she is a minor or even uh, older. Omar Rav Chista. Zois Oimeris, from that which our Mishnah says, Lemokom Shima, that the that, that first stepfather has to send the food to where the mother is, that shows us, Bas Eitzel Ima, that a daughter, even a Gedola, is where her mother is. And this this is based on the idea that it's the mother's responsibility to raise the daughter. The Gemara asks a question. You'll see it lasts a few lines. Mimai de begedola askinon. Who says that the Mishnah is talking about a girl that's a gedola? She's above uh, twelve years of age. Dilma biktano askinon. Maybe the Mishnah is dealing with a minor, and and as far as the the sending of the food to where the mother is, that's umishu maisi shahoya. It's because of a of a terrible incident that took place that we have this insistence of the girl being with her mother, where her mother is. Desanya, uh, um, the following source tells us, Mishemes v'niach ben koton, limo, a man died, leaving a, a, a child, a young son, Yorshe ho'av omrim, ye'godil etzlenu, the, uh, from the, uh, the father's heirs, that might include like this this child's older brothers, the, those are the your she'av, the ones that inherit the father. Say, I want we want our our little brother to be with us. The emo Omeris and the the child's mother says, Yehei b'ni godel etzli. I want my little boy to be to grow up with me, be in my custody. So you have a what's like a child custody issue, not between two parents. The father is dead here, but between the father's heirs, <clears throat> the uh, could be the, the child's older brothers uh, uh, and the mother on the other hand. So, what is the where does the child go? The the uh, this young boy will be by the mother. We don't leave him by those that could potentially inherit him. In other words, if this Ben Cotton, he's an heir, he's part of a, a family that inherited property. In the event that that, that, that particular Ben Cotton dies, 
There are people that would inherit from him. For example, his older brothers. We don't leave this child by those that could inherit from him. In fact, something happened like that. An incident of, of this nature happened where the, where the little boy went with his older brothers and uh, they, uh, they slaughtered him. They killed him. You see what money can do and how, what it could drive people to do? It drove the, the uh, older brothers to kill him so that he wouldn't be one that will reduce the amount that they get from the estate. So that, in fact, they inherit him, uh, each one of the older brothers, then getting more money, more value from the estate. So you see that the, uh, the idea of a child being with the mother and, and not being with uh, the uh, uh, not being with the, the Roy Liorsha with his with his brothers is a consideration of uh, keeping the child, uh, uh, keeping a, a little kid who can't defend himself from being killed. So that's appropriate when you're dealing with a little kid, with a minor. But as far as a, a rule across the boards that, that uh, all, all girls are to be with their mother, who says maybe, as we are suggesting now, maybe that is a rule with regard to a minor and because of my Shai, not because of a mother's uh, obligation to raise the daughter. The Gemara says, in Cain, if it were so that there is a distinction, listening, the Mishnah should have said with regard to that first stepfather and his sending the, sending the food to the, uh, the, 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 the former wife's daughter, it should have, should have said he sent it Lemokom Shehi. Send it to wherever she is. If it's a minor, so it's with the mother. If it's an adult, not necessarily, she's not necessarily with the mother. She could be maybe with her brothers. My, the Gemara continues at the top of Kuf Gimel Amid Aleph. My Lemokom Shima. Why does the Mishnah say in an unqualified fashion that the, the, the Mizonos, the, the food, is to be sent to where the mother is? Shamas Minov, from here we conclude, Bas Eitzel Ho'em. A daughter is to be by her mother, Lo Shno Gedoyla, Velo Shno Ketana. Whether, not making any distinction whether she's an adult daughter, meaning above 12 years of age, or a minor. The Gemara quotes from the Mishnah, Lo Yom Rushnehem, the two uh, stepfathers that have obligated themselves cannot say that will support her. as one will together support her, but rather the girl is entitled to two Mizonos entitlements. One will be actual food, and the other will be uh, will be uh, cash, the the value of the food. Before we continue with the Gemara text, let's glance at the side we have a no say a topic heading. A person rented something, rented a tool, rented whatever. We're going to see in our in our Gemara, a person rented a grinder, a grindstone, a grind mill. He rented it from somebody, and the way he would pay for the rent was not through a monthly cash payment, uh, but rather pay through services. 
that the uh, the owner who has a household he has grinding needs he has wheat on an ongoing basis that needs to be ground so they can uh, uh, make flour and eventually bake it so the grinder is going to be rented by someone who uh, who will pay for the rental in services can the owner change the conditions of the rental and to demand a cash payment because of a, because of new circumstances because of certain circumstances that changed in the course of the rental can the can there be a change in terms of how the rental is paid? And the changed circumstances are such He doesn't need those services anymore. He was accepting, he was willing to accept rental payment in service because, he, because the owner needed the services. But a certain situation can arise. He doesn't need those services anymore. So what, what's going to be? Can he demand a cash payment for the rental? The Gemara. Three lines from the top of Kuf Gimel Omer Aleph. Havu Gavra the Oigar Le Rechaya the Chavrei There was a man that rented a grinder to his friend for grinding purposes. And you have to speak out. We wrote in between the lines. The uh, agreement was that the renter is not going to pay a, a, a cash rental payment, but he will pay in services that, uh, that uh, um, on, a, on an ongoing basis this, this renter will grind the uh, balabayas, the owner's wheat for him. In the course of time, the owner of the grinder uh, literally became wealthy. It means he came into some money and you know what he did with the money? Zovin Rechayel Vichamra. He he bought a grindstone, another grindstone, with a donkey that will operate the grindstone. So now he has, we'll say, he has an automatic grindstone providing for his own grinding needs. He doesn't need the renter's services. But on the other hand, he, 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 has, uh, he has a rental fee that he expects to receive. Omar Lay, the, uh, the owner, says, Up till now, my grinding needs were taken care of by you. Now that I have, the, I have a, a new automatic grinder, I don't need your services. I want you to pay me a cash rental fee. Omale, the renter says, Mitchan Tachinino Loch. I'm not paying you cash, I am going to continue paying you with in services. Sovar Ravino Lameimar. Ravino, upon hearing this argument between the owner and the renter, said, Hainu Mas Nisan. This uh, controversy is dealt with by our Mishnah. What did it say in our Mishnah? In our Mishnah we had uh, two stepfathers. And uh, 
we were taught in the Mishnah, Lo Yomru Shnehem, Hare Onu Zonen Oisokechad. They cannot uh, join together and say, between the two of us, we're going to provide you with one portion. Ela Echad Zona, the Echad Noisain Law de Mezonos. One of the stepfathers will continue to provide the wife's daughter with food, and the other will give her the value of her food. The girl, she doesn't, she doesn't need two portions of food. So, and yet we know that both are both husband, both stepfathers were independently individually obligated so what do we do when someone doesn't need something the, the, the extra portion so cash is given instead here you have an owner he doesn't need two uh, quantities ground he has his own house needs it's one quantity he doesn't need two quantities ground so he can also demand from the renter I don't need your, your grinding you give me cash so this is what Ravina wanted to rule that uh, against the renter. Omerle Ravavira mi domi. Ravavira challenges Ravina and says, "How can you compare these cases? They're not comparable." Hasam in the case of the girl and the Mizono's payment, chad kreso is law tarti kresto less law. She's got one stomach. She doesn't have two stomachs. In other words, there's the the, the idea of providing her with two portions of food is ridiculous there's logic tells you that one portion of actual food and the other portion the other obligation in cash terms ha ha though here why do you rule against the the renter motzi omale the socher the renter could say could say yes i know you have an automatic grinder tron vizavin tron viosiv Listen, use your automatic grinder to grind wheat and sell flour to others and I will continue grinding for your personal needs and I can continue paying in services. So that's Rav Aviro's response on behalf of the renter. Veloa moron Ella the less lay trino The ruling of Ravina that the renter does not have to pay in cash, but can pay in services. That is only assuming that that renter doesn't have other people's grains to grind. Avol is lay If he has if he's a busy guy, he's got other people's grains to grind. And, of course, in, in grinding other people's grains, he'll get paid for that. In a case like this, we will tell the grinder, listen, you're making money from grinding other people's grains. Grind, you'll get paid for grinding other people's grains and now with that money that you got pay the renter uh, uh, for, for pay the renter his rental fee and this is an example where we will force someone to uh, to behave accordingly this is called 
let the owner of the grinder benefit from the cash payment and the grinder isn't losing out he has a, he has a, a, a way of making money let's take a look at the Rashi Ravavira's ruling favoring the renter was where the the renter doesn't have any any means of income. He doesn't have uh, customers that require grinding in exchange for pay. Therefore, the grind, the renter says, "I need Yoshev Botel. I have nothing to do." And from Rashi, I get the impression I have nothing to do and I have no income. So etchon loch v'lo etin domim. I have. Uh, I therefore will grind for you and not pay you. Rashi continues, But if you have a situation that he has regular customers that need grinding and the, gr- the renter will be paid for his services that he renders to others, let him grind for others for pay and give a cash rental payment to the owner. With that, we conclude our shiur for today.